This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. At the end of every chapter, Paul mentions the coming of Christ. There are five chapters, one, two, three, four, five. And at the end of every chapter, Paul mentions something about the coming of Christ. Just look at verse 10 of chapter 1. Paul writes this. It says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Praise God for that. As Pastor Eddie begins his teaching series through the book of 1 Thessalonians, he'll be exhorting you to live your life with expectancy of the Lord's imminent return. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to encourage the church and to help them understand that there would be a second coming of the Lord. The Lord can return for His church at any moment. The question is, will you be ready for Him when He returns or feel ashamed? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. As he begins his message, greetings from the Apostle Paul. The Church of Thessalonica was birthed out of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. This church was a young church. It was a thriving church. Paul writes this letter hoping to clear up their misunderstanding of the coming of Christ. And can I tell you, this is what's happened today. There are a lot of Christians that have no understanding of eschatology, uh, end times, or the coming of Christ. Many of them confuse the second coming of Christ with the rapture, or they don't realize the order of when Christ is coming. And that's still today in the church. I think if we read the Bible, especially this epistle that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, they would find the truth and it would be clear as, the, uh, as far as the end time when Christ is coming. And so, but not only did Paul make it clear about uh, the coming of Christ, but he also included some instructions on how they ought to live to continue in the faith, anticipating the coming of Christ. Yes, just keep on doing what you're doing. And he's going to make it clear about the end times. And I believe that this letter provides a helpful guidance for all of us who have placed our faith in Christ and what it means to live, a, to be as a Christian in an uncertain world as we wait for our Savior. I want to give you the theme. I want to give you the key verse, and I want to give you an outline before we begin. The theme has to do with the coming of Christ. We're going to find it in every chapter, the coming of Christ. But Paul is going to explain the the coming of Christ, the first coming of Christ, not when he came to die on the cross. That was his first. He's going to talk about his coming for the church, the rapture. His, His coming for the church, the rapture. And then he's going to explain the second coming of Christ, that he's not only going to come for the church, but he's going to come with the church after the great tribulation. So that's exactly what Paul is going to show them this in his letter. As a matter of fact, at the end of every 
chapter, Paul mentions the coming of Christ. There are five chapters, one, two, three, four, five. And at the end of every chapter, Paul mentions something about the coming of Christ. Just look at verse 10 of chapter 1. Paul writes this. It says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Praise God for that. Now drop down to the end of chapter 2. The end of chapter 2. Look at verses 19 and 20. It says, For what is our hope or joy, our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Drop down to the end of chapter 3. The end of chapter 3, verse 13, and here's a bonus. This is the key verse for the entire book. This is the key verse for the entire book. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, So that he may establish your heart blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now drop down to the end of chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. He says, then we who are alive and remain, this is is what the uh, Thessalonians were concerned about. So he's going there. He says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Now look at the end of chapter 5. And just before Paul closes out his letter, he always opens up his letter with a salutation, a greeting, and then he closes out his letter. But just before he closes his letter, he writes in verses 23 and 24, he says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Okay? Now, there are also other passages within those chapters. And one I want to read, just one more. I think I know encouraged the Thessalonians at that time. And I know if you read this verse before, it had brought comfort to you as well. And that's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. This is, for God did not appoint us to wrath but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. So, it goes without saying, the epistle to the Thessalonians has to deal with the coming of Christ. Now, finally, I want to give you an outline for you note-takers. For those of you who like to take notes, and I recommend it always to take notes so you get a better understanding of the book. Um, you know, the more you understand about the book, the better it is you have a reference point. If you want joy in the midst of trouble, the book of Philippians, right? 19 references of joy. Of course, you know, if you want to know the end times, you go to the book of Revelation. But also here, we find 1 Thessalonians to be one of those books that has to deal with the end times. So here's the outline, as you see there. The first section is personal. Uh, Paul knows them personally. He's going to speak about them personally. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 is the first section. Uh, He's going to talk about his personal relationship with them. Chapter 1, 
He's going to talk about how the church was born. Chapter 2, how the church was nurtured. Chapter 3, how the church was established. And the second uh, section of this book um, is practical. It might be application, application as well. And that's, verses, and that's chapter 4 and 5. So Paul gives practical instructions to the Thessalonians how we should walk in anticipation of our, the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So in chapter 4, he's going to tell us how we should walk in holiness, in harmony, and in honesty. And then in chapter 5, how we should walk in hope. That is it. Let us now study it verse by verse. Let's look at our text this morning. Verse by verse, in verse 1, Paul will give his greetings to the Thessalonians. In verses 2 to 4, Paul prays for the Thessalonians, thanking God for their faith and good example. So let us look at verse 1. It says, Paul, Salvanius, and Timothy. Now, back in Acts chapter 17, we read that these three men uh, were with Paul. This church started with these three men. Just three God, men who were faithful, following Paul, obedient to the call. If they did not go to Thessalonica, would there be a church there? Maybe, maybe not, but it's good to be obedient. And because of their faithfulness, there is a church that's thriving. And today we have a letter that was written to that church. And so Paul, he, as you, many of you know, he was Saul of Tarsus. He was a terrorist to the church. He persecuted the church. And while on his way uh, to persecute another church, the Lord knocked him off his horse. And um, the Lord said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's one thing for us to understand when the church is being persecuted, even today, Understand this, that our battle is not with flesh and blood, but principalities. When the church is being attacked, they're attacking Jesus Christ. It's not that Christ is not aware when the church is being attacked. God is fully aware. Jesus is fully aware. And so he knocked Paul off his horse, and he's never been the same. And so if you want to read up about Paul's life, um, you can read his epistles, but to read up on Paul's conversion and his ministry, his first, second, and third missionary journey, you'll find that in the book of Acts from chapter 13 all the way to the very end of the book in chapter 28. Now, Salvanius, um, that was his Roman name, however you know him by his Semitic name, uh, uh, Silas, his name means Woody. So when you see him in heaven, you could call him Woody. Hey, Woody, how are you doing? That's what his name means. Uh, anyway, Timothy is the next one. Timothy, his name means uh, honoring God. And Timothy was half Jew, half Greek. His mother was a Jew. His father was Greek. And so uh, this is why uh, he, got, he was converted during Paul's first missionary journey. So it was Paul's, Paul's first missionary journey where Timothy was saved. And when he was going for his second ministry, Paul said, well, listen, uh, Timothy, I know you're Greek, okay? I know Greeks don't like to deify their body. They don't believe in circumcision. And I know you're old man now. But in order for the Jews to listen to you, would you be willing to be circumcised? <laughs> Oy vey. Yes, he did it for the sake of the ministry. And that's what I love about Timothy's ministry. And for the sake of the ministry, he was willing to do it. And that was the heart of Timothy. And ever since he's been with Paul, with his first, second, third missionary journey, he went to jail with Paul. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was with Paul even when he was uh, beheaded. 
And so what a disciple, what a godly man. So Paul, Salvanius, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that Paul did not say to the church in Thessalonica. He didn't say to the church in Thessalonica. No, he said to the church of the Thessalonians, and here it is, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The church of the Thessalonians was not only birthed by God and by the Holy Spirit, but the church was in God. It was in God. It was, it was led by God. And I tell you, I've seen churches start, and I've seen people who wanted to start church because they felt, hey, the Lord told me, the Lord told me. And you know, when people tell me the Lord told me, I'm not going to say, well, I'm not going to say the Lord didn't tell you. I can't interfere with that. But I love Chuck Smith, always gave a lot of wisdom. He said, the Lord called you a pastor. Turn around. There are people following you? And I see a lot of them, not many of them. There's nobody following them. But I love another Chuckism, if you will. He said, let it be done by inspiration, not perspiration. If it's done by the Spirit of God, it's by the inspired Word of God, by the Holy Spirit. It's not done by flesh. It's not done, you know, out of, you know, perspiration. It stinks, right? And that's what I love about, you know, when you, when you, when you read the Word of God and you see that God is in it. God is the one that's in it and around it. In Acts chapter 17, verses 2 to 4, Luke tells us that Paul, Silas, and Timothy share the Gospels just three weeks. Again, only a few Jews got saved. Um, it says a multitude of Gentiles got saved, which were Greeks. A few women, the wives of prominent men, got saved. It was a work that only God can do in just three weeks. And I, I just love, you know, the history of, 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 of the church. And right now I'm reading about uh, a man by the name of David Brainerd. Brainerd. Um, if you don't know him, you get a book and read about him. He's actually one that was known to be a man of prayer. Prayed, he had tubercul- tuberculosis, and he would even pray in the snow. And, and, and when he would cough, he would think it would be like the, 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 the pellet of, the, of, a, of a flower. But no, it was, he was coughing out. He was dying. He was dying. He was a man who died in prayer. But what's interesting about him is that he's been through the Delaware Valley over here. He's been through Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. His ministry was sharing the gospel to the Indians in the 1700s. Good story. But anyway, I also look at a a man like Billy Graham, you know, of the thousands of people, millions who surrendered their lives. And then you look at it. I've been through his, I've been through, um, uh, the Billy Graham Museum twice. And I know every time I'm going to North Carolina, I always go there just to see what God has done. Not the man. I don't worship the man. And I don't think he ever wanted to be uh, given credit for what he has done. But it's amazing when one is faithful and they trust in the Lord that how many people can surrender their lives to the Lord. We're talking about literally thousands all around the world because it was of God. It was of God. You know, I am one, my, if, if I feel it's not of God, I, I shut it down. I shut it down. I knew that when we started, almost in August we make nine years, I knew that when we started this home Bible study, it was of the Lord. Many people came through our doors. Many people surrendered their life. Many people grew in their faith. 
and it was of the Lord. It was the fruit of the Spirit, so it's important. And we see this here, God, the church of Thessalonians in God. So the church of, of the Thessalonians was not only birthed by God, but they were in and God. And here's what's important, what's, what's even more amazing, because we have a relationship with Christ, with the Lord, with the church, with the bride of Christ. We have a relationship with God. He dwells in us. He dwells in us. And this is important to understand because the church is not a building made up of bricks and sticks. The church is made up of people, flesh and blood. And so, you know, it is not God in this building. But he's here because his people are here. Paul said in Acts chapter 17, verse 24, he said, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He doesn't. The only reason why God is in a place, whether it's in your living room, whether you have a little office and you're having a Bible study, whether it's out in the park or whether it's in a basement, whether it's in a cave, any building, no matter where you are, if God is in you, he is there. Understand that. He doesn't dwell in churches. When we gather here in this room, God is here because the church is here. When we're not here, God is not here. Don't look for God here. For he, don't look for God in this building. He's not going to be here unless you're here. You understand? God dwells in the people. The people are the church. And so you don't need to come here or to any church building to find God. All you have to do is call on him. Wherever you're at, he will be there. Just call upon him, he will be there. It doesn't matter. He's not in a fancy building. He's not in a temple. I, I went to a church where the altar, they made it so holy, no one could stand on there. Actually, the pastor and anybody preaches and teaches down below. And they have three chairs. And they say these three chairs, the father's son sits down. It's misleading. God is in the hearts of the people. So, back to verse 1. Paul, Savanius, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here is a typical Paul greeting. Paul actually created this greeting. This is a Christian blend of a Hebrew and Greek greeting, okay? This greeting wasn't used in Paul's day. It was only used by the Apostle Paul, and his greeting, the, the reason why it's different, it stands out because his greeting is theological. It's a theological greeting, and we're going to see that. So grace and peace, or charis in the Greek, shalom in the Hebrew. So if they were to read this, this is what they're reading Charis and Shalom. And so the Greeks, when they would greet one another, they didn't say grace and peace. They would just say grace. They would say charis, which it means, uh, it means, you know, what they're saying is, may you have a day better than you deserve. The word grace um, is, is mentioned 155 times here in the New Testament. And grace means unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. Now for you and I, we, we look at 
grace differently. We consider grace to be different because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But if you were Greek back in those days, grace meant it was just a greeting. That's all it was. It was just a, gre- it was just a greeting. But we understand grace points to Jesus Christ. Grace to us is different. For example, do you deserve the eternal life that God has offered you? No, you don't. Have you done anything to be saved? No, you did not. The reason why you have Christ and you're saved is by grace and grace alone. That's what the scripture tells us. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. He said, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we have grace. We have this unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor in Christ. We've done nothing to have eternal life. And that's something that Christians must understand. We need to revisit it, revisit this every now and then because we need to realize (laughs) the grace that we're living in right now. I'm a believer. I'm saved because of his grace. It's because of the grace of God. Now, if you want to study this grace a little bit more, understand the wrath of God. See, we don't understand grace until we understand the wrath of God. Christians don't like to hear that. Many of the pulpits don't want to preach about the wrath of God. God is loving. He's patient. Yes, he's kind. Why does his love and grace? We've been singing that. But God is also a God of wrath. And we don't understand grace unless we understand the wrath of God. Just picture, if you don't understand what the wrath of God is, just picture the cross. The wrath that Christ took because of your sin. He took the wrath of God. That was the wrath of God. But the whole world tells us, it is historians, they find uh, recorded accounts of the whole earth being dark during the time when Christ gave up his spirit. Those are the sins of the world that was upon him. It was the wrath of God. And once you understand that, you realize you appreciate grace. And I learned this at very young, at a young age. And that's why it's important. Parents, you know, you need to raise up your child well. My father was a strict father. Yes, he was. And I knew no matter everything I did, I was going to get a beating. <laughs> My father disciplined me. He by no means spared the rod at all. I remember one time I did something that's deserving. I knew I was going to get it. My father came home and I said, here it is. I'm getting ready now. You know, just stuffing my pants so it won't hurt me to hurt that much. Putting super layers of clothes. But he tells me, I got a letter from your teacher. Don't let it happen again. I'm Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of 1 Thessalonians with us here on Running the Race. There's much more to learn from this New Testament letter, but our time has come to an end for today. Before we go, we'd like to invite you to visit our website to hear more messages from Pastor Eddie. Head over to runningtheraceradio.com. There, you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 10 a.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. 
Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in a place of blessing due to this radio ministry, and you'd like to know how you could partner with us, we'd gladly accept your support. Here's Jessica to tell you more. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what share will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program, and we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time, right here on Running the Race.